You're listening to the Private Practice Workshop Podcast, and I'm your host, John Clark, helping you get more clients, make more money, and master private practice. And in this episode, we're talking about why I moved to Paris and how it has changed me. Um, This is a bit of a personal episode, if you couldn't guess, but in this episode, I'm kind of giving you a peek behind the curtain as to what's going on in my personal life uh, over these past months, how I ended up in Paris. Uh, what it's been like having sold my group pa- my group practice in North Carolina, uh, how living in Paris has uh, has changed me and affected me so far, um, what it's like to be fully remote now, what it's like to lead a, a remote team, and also just kind of what's ahead for private practice workshop and uh, for my life. So again, a bit of a personal episode today, but also one that's going to have uh, a lot of business takeaways for you as well. So um, that's what we're looking at today. So again why I moved to Paris, and how it has changed me. All right, let's dive in. Speaking of what's ahead for private practice workshop, for my life, for this business, we have a big launch coming up on October 24th. We're launching a brand new mastermind community that includes a live in-person event. It's called Purpose Driven Practice. We've been working on and kind of hatching this thing uh, or incubating this thing uh, for months. The hatch will happen on October 24th, I suppose. But we've been working as a team really, really hard on this. Uh, uh, Myself, Laura, Taylor, Adriana um, have been working incredibly hard. Speaking of which, my team has really been crushing it lately and I'm super proud of them. Um, this community was inspired by, um, the community that I'm a part of with other business owners. It's a true mastermind, not to be confused with group coaching In group coaching. Um, the power of the group really lies in, lies, uh, lies in the, um, the expert at the head of the table, so to speak, to have the answers and whatnot. Um, in the case of a mastermind group, the power lies, um, in all, uh, it's dispersed among all of the members. It's really the hive mind. It is the mastermind. Um, it's it's basically the sum of, of everyone in the group. That's what we uh, are creating. So I'm going to be leading two of these groups, um, and we just have a couple spots uh, left. So we have one for solo practitioners, one for group practitioners. But we meet. Um, well, first of all, the, the group and purpose driven practice is meant to help you not only grow a profitable purpose-driven practice, but also uh, live a life of success and significance. Um, So we're really going to be focusing on all parts of your life, um, not only the business, but also on you, your relationships, your health, your well-being, your impact, um, and really, again, living a life of significance. So Within the actual community, it'd be about groups uh, groups of about 10, uh, 10 therapists. We meet every week on a video call for an hour. Um, and, uh, we, we study a new book every single month. So you're going to get a book shipped to your door every single month that we're going to study together. We're going to have accountability tools where we're going to hold each other accountable for whatever we need to work on. Um, the group just goes deeper and deeper and deeper over time. It's a true community, um, and, uh, culminating in a live event at least once a year which is probably the most exciting part. So in fact, your, your membership dues cover your live event. Um, all you have to do is, uh, is get yourself there. So 
I'm super proud um, of everything that we've put into this. Um, uh, it's been one of the biggest projects of my life, one of the biggest projects of, uh, of the business for sure. Um, but we're aimed at uh, um, providing incredible value for our members, deepening the group, um, and really uh, serving therapists in the group. And we're really looking for givers, not takers. And we're really looking for people who are, who are going to show up and be part of this group and give something to it, not just be here for, not to show up and, and think, what can I take from this group or what can I get from it? So again, I couldn't be more excited. If you're even remotely interested, just head to privatepracticeworkshop.com, scroll down about halfway until you see a little uh, box for purpose-driven practice and click on that link. Um, and then you can apply again. A bunch of the slots are already full. Um, um, because we've rolled it out with our current mastermind members, but, um, but we do have slots open. Um, so what'll happen is you'll fill out the application, then you'll, you'll hop on a quick call with me. And if your application is approved, you'll join the community and get started October 24th. So, um, I personally can't wait. Um, I'm probably not going to talk about it a ton on here because it's not going to be a hard sell. And the reality is, um, the people in it already getting having incredible experiences and incredible results. And um, ultimately the group speaks for itself. So I'm not too worried about marketing this thing or pushing it. So um, you'll hear about it. But again, if you're interested, now's the time to act. So you can grab a spot before um, before it's too late. Um, so go to privatepracticeworkshop.com, scroll down, click on purpose-driven practice. That's all you need to do. Okay, man. I'm doing this episode, so <laughs> life has gotten crazy uh, over the past while. Um, I moved to Paris, France, and now there's a number of Parises, I think. There's like a Paris, Texas, I think, or like a Paris, hold on, Paris, Texas, is that right? And it says Paris, Texas was a film. I think maybe there's like a Paris, Kentucky. I apologize if you live in Paris, Kentucky. Yep. Got that one right. There's a, a, a Paris, Kentucky. <laughs> um, there's a, probably a few Parises, but I I live in the Paris now, and it's uh, still hard to believe. It's still a bit of a surreal experience. The long story short is you heard a while back that I sold my group practice. Well, I sold my group practice because, um, because I moved to Paris um, uh, for my wife's career. That's, it's really, I guess, as simple as that. But in short, um, she does something very specific within the kind of tech startup world. And um, she lived in Paris when she was younger. She had a connection here um, and basically got a job offer that um, was just the perfect opportunity for her um, to join this, uh, this, this French startup. And um, obviously, it was a it was a crazy time. It was a a time of uncertainty and thinking, "Wow, I I would never imagine a million years I'd be living in Paris." Uh, I'm a dude from Virginia at the time with a private practice in North Carolina, and yet here we are. So we went for it, and it was really her time to uh, to kind of leap in in her career. Um, whereas I've had some of those times before. Maybe you can relate. Sometimes you do the kind of uh, uh, leapfrog thing. Um, as a, as as a couple, but um, that's what that's what led us here. And I only have a little bit of kind of structure for this episode, not a ton. Um, but you know, moving here was about as scary as you can imagine, given that I'd only been here once when I was younger. Spent like a weekend here, and it was freezing. It was raining. It was crowded. It was Christmas. 
and that's it. So I really didn't have an impression of the place other than, wow, Paris is Paris. And I saw the Eiffel Tower in the Louvre and then I went home and it was really cold and uh, the food was not very good and the service was terrible and people were rude. <laughs> so all those, it, oh, and I didn't speak a word of French before I moved here. So that, uh, that matters. With, with that being said, um, so I moved here pretty much completely cold, you could say. Um, and what I found is that once I had gotten through the big hurdles of, you know, uh, pricing and selling and transitioning the group practice and really figuring out what this means for me and my life and my business and whatnot in my work with therapists and even my own clinical work, that things started to um, become uh, beautiful again, so to speak, with my life in Paris. The first few months were extremely difficult, uh, knowing zero French, being really kind of disoriented, uh, being far from people and home and all that stuff, uh, dealing with the time difference, things like that, etc. It was a time of tremendous uncertainty that I was just kind of going through at the time, but also continuing some things as normal, like this business, right? Continuing to push ahead and grow our programs and our staff and all that good stuff. Um, but just doing it in a wildly different setting, you know. Um, so what what have I learned so far? Well, um, I would say that the biggest things would be, wait, I have notes on this. I should read the notes. <laughs> My initial thoughts on living here, and again, I'm going to tie this into work. After dealing with kind of the shock of it all and uh, being new and not speaking a word of French, um, living here started to teach me some really important things. Number one, I th- it has helped me deal with what I will say is my workaholism, uh, my tendency to work, 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 and overwork, which I've dealt with for years. Maybe you all have as well. Maybe you're still dealing with it. Um, it was, uh, I think that this is uh, uh, Jeremy, one of our mastermind members, uh, said the other day, workaholism is like the only type of addiction that is just normalized in the U.S. or something, a normalizing culture. Um, he said it in a better way than that, but something to that effect, and I agree. Um, so, you know, I think when we were in North Carolina, I worked a ton. I, I worked a whole lot. Um, I still wasn't working Fridays. I haven't worked Fridays in many years for the most part, but um, I was just working a lot, I think, in part because I wasn't didn't have a ton of other inspiration in my life, other creative projects and things like that or um, a city that I was really excited to um, explore in the way that I am with Paris now. Um, So, but also I think moving here has helped uh, tremendously with my uh, tendency to overwork because um, the values of French people are tremendously different. Um, There's a lot I could say about this, but in short, um, my opinion, and again, speaking in gross generalizations, my limited uh, American experience as an American living in France, is that uh, it, you know work is just a part of life for the French, whereas in the U.S., work kind of is life, and it is also our identity, and everything kind of revolves around that. It kind of revolves around our tendency to work and be capitalistic and very industrial, whereas in France, uh, it's not that people don't work hard. It's just that um in general, again, speaking of wide generalizations, people um, uh, prioritize other things in life first, like 
just having joy or enjoying uh, enjoying things or people or places or food or wine or delicacies and all, or uh, a baguette or some cheese. All those things are quite true um, that I think the French in general really enjoy those things. And also uh, work, again, it's just a part of life. It's just a, it's a part of life. It's a significant part of life, but it's not all of life. Also, the French don't really talk about work a whole lot when they're not at work. That has always surprised me. So, um, uh, if we're like, if I'm like at a party or something or meeting people or Saturday night, uh, it's extremely uncommon to hear anyone talking about work, which I kind of love. And I kind of think is, is a problem with our American culture in a way is that you meet someone, you go, Oh, hi, I'm John. What do you do? In other words, like how much do you make? How successful are you? You know, how can I size you up? Um, that just doesn't happen here right? Um, that, that those questions just don't really come up. It's not that people don't care about what you do, but that's not the first lead off. And in fact, when people are not at work, it's a, it's a way of, I think, psychologically stepping back from it too, which I really, really, really enjoy. So there's that. Um, I think, like I said, um, my kind of creativity or inspiration, uh, is, um, is, you know, kind of stimulated, I suppose, by being in Paris. It's kind of hard not to be inspired by walking outside and seeing incredible things. Uh, like I live not too far from Montmartre or uh, Sacré-Cœur, where Sacré-Cœur is, the big, uh, the big uh, church on the hill there, the highest point in Paris, looking down on the whole city. So that's a, a really idyllic kind of um, um, incredible view. And um, uh, vantage point for the whole city. So it's hard not to be inspired, you know, in, in that regard. My pace of life is quite different too. Um, you know, again, I still work, um, I still work enough. I work quite a bit. Um, but I have longer, slower mornings, which I really enjoy. I often have, you know, coffee with, uh, with friends and stuff like that, or take the dog to the park for a while and then work, um, you know, later in the day and through the evening a bit, um, but still not on Fridays. So that's been uh, really wonderful. But again, just my pace has kind of slowed down. The The thing is that things don't work very well here. Things don't work fast here. That's a stereotype that's true. Everything's very bureaucratic, but also everything is kind of like living in a village, to be honest. It's, uh, it, it's very true. Like if you're trying to, if I'm putting together a charcuterie board for uh, like a party or something, um, it has taken me like three hours at times because <laughs> you have to go to the bread shop and get the baguette. Um, you have to then go to the meat shop and get the meat, the cheese shop, get the cheese. Um, if you want to get the jams or whatever else, you go somewhere else probably. So uh, there could be a line. There's usually just one person working there. Um, if you can get over the stress of that and the way that things move slowly, you can enjoy it and appreciate um, how kind of stuck in its ways it is. And to me, that really is Paris. Um, uh, that, that is kind of blended with or in contrasted to some of the rising culture of startups and technology here. So there, there is both. Um, my priorities, I think, are, you know, um, are just a little bit more balanced now, I guess, between like family and marriage and uh, relationships and um, health and things like that. Just having joy um, and also having my work as well. Again, I work very hard and when I am working, I make it count like never before. So that's the one thing for you to think about is, you know, when you're working on your business, do you sit down, do you really make it count or you just kind of mess around or you do, are you working because you're bored or trying to numb out or you're anxious? So you're just 
randomly posting to Facebook or whatever you're doing or you know, scouring Facebook groups, I don't know, whatever your guilty pleasure is, you have to think about kind of why you're doing that and what you're doing in those moments. So um, yeah, again, I, I try to work when I'm working and still be deeply, deeply focused uh, and ambitious with everything. Um, I think living in Paris has also taught me the, to find the little moments of joy in things. Uh, this is, again, a little bit uh, cliche, perhaps, but it's quite true. There's the uh, joie de vivre, where, uh, um, you know, the, the French just really enjoyed the little moments of life, the little joys, indulgences. Um, and uh, I think that's just deeply rooted in French culture. So it's hard for some of that to not rub off on you, like a simple walk or the sun shining or being uh, sitting by the Seine River and... Uh, um, enjoying some sun or a glass of wine or whatever it is. So uh, those moments are pretty incredible. And, you know, saying it out loud, it's still, again, uh, kind of wild and bizarre that I live here. And yet, again, in terms of my work, um, I'm still doing this work serving therapists. And I still see that as really my drive and my passion and my purpose in life. So that's the kind of crazy thing about being here and doing all this and whatnot is, is the way that, you know, I have this business um, but I'm doing it from a context that's really different. And yet I'm still so connected to, um, uh, all of, you know, my, the therapists I work with and our community and, um, our fully booked students and, and whatnot. So still very much, um, in this world. Huh. So there's that. Um, it's been amazing to see my wife's career really thriving again. I think that's the other thing too, is we made this leap for her and it was a big decision, a big decision for me to be, um, kind of take this leap with her, but, um, it's been well worth it. Um, hundred percent, especially in terms of, um, uh, seeing where, where it's taken her career and, and everything. So that's been, that's been pretty incredible. Um, man, I haven't done like a personal episode like this in a long time. So to be honest, it's a little nerve wracking. Um, you know, it, it just is. I'm also aware that a lot of people are interested in or intrigued by this idea of being remote or digital nomad or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I had always toyed with that before. We spent a little bit of time in Mexico before. We've traveled a good bit. Um but then, you know, being fully remote, I was kind of thrown into it, kind of thrust into it, you know, here with this transition to Paris. Um, so it kind of just happened all at once. You know, it kind of happened all at once and a little bit, uh, I don't want to say against my will, but, you know, it happened uh, kind of to me um, uh, versus me just saying, hey, I'm going to do this right now. Or let's say being fully remote, but in, in North Carolina where I was before this. So, um that's significant. And I guess what I'd want to say to you, if that's something you're interested or thinking about is, um, it's very possible. It's very doable. It's very, um, it's very wonderful uh, because I can work from anywhere in the world now, truly. And, um, and at the same time, you have to have a really good base of, uh, of, of how the internet works, of how online marketing works, of how content works, email marketing, um, advertising, all that good stuff, um, webinars, courses, list building, membership sites, groups, coaching, all that stuff. Like I would say if you're going to, you know, want to do this or have an online business or be fully remote, um, you need to kind of double down on your learnings and your, the courses you take and 
your investment in this part of your business, especially if you don't feel like you're especially tech savvy, which I hear a lot of therapists saying, I think uh, it's an interesting belief to have that. Um, I, I don't even really consider myself tech, tech savvy, so to say, or wasn't always tech savvy, but to be honest, I've busted my ass to learn the things I've learned, you know, um, and maybe that sounds kind of weird or bragging or whatever, but you know, I, I really have like the, the way that I got to this point with this business and even teaching therapists, uh, marketing and everything we teach is like, I'm just doing it myself and banging my head against the wall since 2013. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's nothing, nothing really sexy about it in that regard. But, um, but I will say it's worth it. If you're going to be fully remote or you want to build a, a location independent business like this, you, you have to be unrelenting. I think that's the word relentless, unrelenting. Are those the same word? If I had a producer like in the room right now, they would check. I've thought about that too. Someone on my team, like if they were sitting in the room, I'd be like, Hey, uh, <laughs> this is such a tangent. Like, hey, um, uh, Google the difference between re- relentless and unrelenting. And then they would Google it and they would tell me back. Like, hmm. Hmm. Okay. Moving on. Um, but I'm not going to put you guys through that. So anyway, um, good grief. Now I've completely lost my place. That's hilarious. So (laughs) what I was saying is, yeah, if you want this kind of a business or to build this thing, uh, build something like this, you just have to really double down on your learning and your understanding of online marketing um, and everything it takes to kind of do this. You have to be really relentless. There it is. (laughs) You have to be really relentless. Um, And you have to be willing to experiment and fail and waste a lot of time and money. I really feel like that's kind of the secret sauce, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah, that's kind of the secret sauce to all this of uh, um, of figuring this stuff out is you just kind of can't quit early on. You just have to push through um, a, a lot of these initial hurdles and there's initial hurdles and then, oh yeah, there's daily hurdles. Just yesterday we were trying to troubleshoot this fun little um integration issue with uh, lead pages, the software we use in our email marketing platform. And me and Taylor, we couldn't really figure it out. It's really annoying. Um, it was stressful. Neither of us had done it before. There's not enough on Google to figure it out. And so we just had to play with it and tinker with it. And both of us kind of bring our heads against the wall for a bit until we figured it out. And, and to be honest, I think that has everything to do with one's ability to, um, um, you know, to kind of uh, to, to figure this out. I guess if that makes sense. So, um, but yeah, again, being fully remote has really forced my hand or forced me to keep sharpening my skills when it comes to everything online and especially building a remote business, building a remote team, et cetera. Um, being fully remote also means you need to have a, a really strong routine. That's extremely important. You need to have kind of a space carved out both physically and literally in terms of doing your work. So I have a little office here at home where I do pretty much all my work. I'm very rigid in that. Um, uh, You have to be ready to deal with time zones, things like that. That's definitely a factor. Um, It just is what it is, if you ask me. Um, You have to be intentional about connecting with other people, other people who are remote or um, don't have like a physical office. People like uh, uh, my friend Kelly Higdon, just saw her in Spain not long ago. Um, So she lives kind of a similar life. You you could say she lives in California, but, um, you know, connecting with people like that who are 
who get it and are doing the same sort of thing. And then also it's extremely important to have in-person opportunities. So next, well, in two weeks, I'm going to DC and we're doing a little team offsite celebrating uh, uh, Laura's um, anniversary with the company and uh, her, her recent promotion to director of operations, which congrats, huge congrats on that. Laura, um, uh, she's just been amazing and crushing it so much. Um, and so the, the promotion was more than warranted. And, um, and then, you know, launching purpose-driven practice and getting ready for our first live event, live in-person event, uh, you know, is, is a big deal too. So you have to build in all those things as well. I think your the online stuff is really a tool to just create connection and also create connection that you can then deepen in person. That's honestly the way I look at it. So I maybe have a little bit of a different view than some people who are just like, oh, I just want to be remote or totally online or online therapy practice and never see a person in real life again. Uh, I don't really see it like that. I just see these constant connections and it's just powerful to be able to connect with anyone in the world. And we currently have mastermind, you know, participants all over the world, which is incredible. Okay. Um, a little caveat or a little um little treat for you if you really want to hear it or again not making this all about just my life or my perceptions of Paris and whatnot. I don't know. We'll see how this episode does. We'll see what the response is. If you guys want to hear more about this or want to hear me talk more about it or do more like videos or do a vlog my you know a day in life in Paris or whatever I'm happy to do that. But again, I try to just keep things focused on you guys and on the results and the, the, your, your practices and the results of you guys and the, your practices and businesses and how it can best help. So, um, but then again, again, this is, there's a personal element to everything we do. And I'm always curious with the people that I kind of follow or learn from what's really going on behind the scenes. So, um, I recently, just a few weeks ago, did an episode with my good friend, Oliver G. He's an Australian dude who's lived in uh, Paris for like four or five years. He has Paris's most popular podcast called The Earful Tower. And he had me on to talk about um, culture shocks in moving here. So we talked for like 30 minutes or so about, um, you know, about my my culture shocks. So um, if you go to theearfultower.com, you can actually find that episode it's called Five Culture Shocks You'll Face in Paris if you want to hear really what it's been like and kind of life through my eyes here. So we'll put a link to that um, in the notes here as well. I'm going to make a note to do a note right now. Um, that being said, you know, again, being fully remote has come with plenty of challenges and ups and downs and new things for me to learn, but has generally been uh, really fun and a, and a great challenge. It's also, you know, forced me to get better at leading a remote team. And here's what I have to say about that. I'll talk for maybe five more minutes about this and then we'll wrap up. Um, you know, leading a remote team, I think it's important that you have some decent management skills and supervision skills before you have a remote team. Or if you're building a remote team that you really take it seriously in terms of how you manage um, and who you hire. Uh, I, not everyone is it does well with working remote. I've seen plenty of people who just kind of suck at it or just, you know, they need that structure. They need that in-person, you know, uh, structure and routine and showing up at the office, up at the office at nine and putting on the nice outfit every day. I get that, you know, and sometimes I miss those sorts of things. Um, that being said, when you are hiring for a remote team, you really need to hire self-starters and people that are quite autonomous and can mostly just handle their stuff with some limited supervision and checking in and whatnot and support. 
you can never assume things, you know, with a remote team. I think you always have to be overly communicative, especially in the beginning. Uh, you can never assume things because you really, it's hard to know what's truly going on unless you're checking in a whole lot. That being said, when you do check in, we do everything on Zoom video calls, which is really, really important um, to be able to see someone's face and have that personal kind of connection. So I highly recommend if you do have a remote team, well, uh, do do your check-ins and all your meetings and whatnot on video calls. Sometimes we even hop on there just to kind of hang out or I'll message, you know, Laura or someone or say, hey, do you want to check in for a bit or hop on or, uh, you know, we've even thought about doing like kind of a work hours or like study halls kind of thing where you're just kind of working and chilling, um, which I think is a very cool way to, to do it. And for what it's worth, I think this is the way of the future for many companies. In fact, I know it is. Um, we do, you know, these weekly check-ins, um, kind of our weekly supervisions. And I take notes and I actually treat these supervisions just like a coaching session, how I coach therapists. There's three sections of my weekly check-ins that I do with my team members. Wins, challenges, action steps. Wins is what's gone well since I last saw you, both personal and professional, because whatever we focus on grows and gets bigger. It also helps them to, to, to kind of get in the habit of seeing what's going well and feeling good about their work. Uh, it also helps me see what's important to them, right, in terms of their work and their contributions and their lives. Um, challenges, so what are you working on this week? What do you have um, on your, your docket? And also, what challenges are you facing? What can I help you with in terms of your projects this week? We talk through those things, and then we kind of walk away with action steps or what you're going to do this week, as well as like any deliverables or goals. Quick uh, a side note about that is, I find it's profoundly important when working with any sort of staff, um, but especially remote staff, is that you need to know the difference between uh, assigning uh, outcomes versus tasks. And I talked about this with Uriah Guilford, um, actually on, on, on that episode about uh, hiring you know, a virtual assistant and whatnot, but uh, I just can't say enough about that. It's extremely important that you really um, you know, assign an outcome, like grow the email list by 200 subscribers per month, versus the task, which is, you know, create a lead magnet that's pink and blue and says these four things and has this link and blah, blah, blah. Um, by the time you've explained it all, you could have done it yourself. So you have to get a lot better at, at you know, delegating outcomes. So, so important. Finally, you got to plan in-person time. Again, since we're far away, we're in different time zones, whatnot, we have to plan some of that in-person time to be together as a team and whatnot. So we're trying to work on that and do that a bit more um, uh, the longer we do this remote thing. So that's kind of it, guys. That's my um, that's my big life update for you. Again, in Paris, I don't know how long I'll be here. You know, I've got obviously I've got a lot more to say about it. Uh, it's been profoundly different and changing and challenging and learning French and uh, making friends all over again and everything. So uh, lots of culture shocks still every day, but um, but again, mostly been uh, something wonderful. Um, so happy to talk more if that's helpful or if you want to reach out, let me know. Or if you're in Paris soon, let me, let me know and let's get a coffee. Um, by all means, hit me up. Um, so with that being said, again, guys, October 24th, we're launching Purpose Driven Practice. Um, this thing is going to take off. It's going to be incredible. And we're super focused on really stimulating the community, providing incredible value and deepening the community over time. So if you're at interest, at all interested, just go to Private Practice Workshop now and uh, and apply, and then we can hop on a call and, and get you into our program. So um, I hope that's 
helpful, guys. I hope you enjoyed this little tidbit, this little episode behind the scenes again, a personal one um, that we haven't kind of done this style in a while. And um, and, and there you have it. So um, again, I hope you enjoyed this. Thanks for being here as always. Um, if you haven't already, leave us a quick review and share your favorite episode with a few therapists. I say that a lot lately, but we really need you to do that to help us keep growing the show. Um, thanks so much again for being here. Take care of yourselves and I'll see you real soon. Bye-bye.